Lessons learned from counseling the sexually abused on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. And today on the podcast, I am delighted that we would have Dr. Shelby Cullen with us. Uh, Shelby received her doctoral degree in educational ministries with an emphasis in biblical counseling from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. She serves as an assistant professor of women's ministries and biblical studies at the Master's University in Southern California. Uh, She's married to Sean and has been for 35 years with four adult children And one very important piece of the puzzle is uh, their first grandchild was recently born. And so I'm so excited uh, that Shelby's with us. She's also the host of a new podcast called Women's Hope. She co-hosts that with Kimberly Cummings, another one of our ACBC certified members. And for you ladies, they deal with a lot of very helpful issues that are very, very pertinent to to you all. And so I want to recommend it to you as well. And so Shelby, I'm so glad that you're here to talk about this subject today where so many questions uh, arise in how we think about counseling those who have been sexually abused. Now, before we get started today, I want to remind us that sometimes when we're dealing with these types of cases that, that are quite intense and often make us very uncomfortable uh, where folks are dealing with such deep uh, and difficult issues, it, sometimes what we have a tendency to do is we, we forget basics in dealing with these issues because in our minds they raise to some level of complexity. And rightly so, there are difficulties, certainly uh, other challenges, complex challenges that come with, uh, with counseling those who, who've uh, struggled through such difficult and deep darkness. Uh, but I think it's important, and this is a part of uh, what, what Shelby is, is describing here, I think it's important that uh, we recognize very clearly that we, we can't run away from the basics in the way in which we approach this. We should also include the key elements, uh, making sure that we're, we're walking through the process. And, and Shelby, I want to ask you about that uh, because no one is a, is a perfect expert in dealing with sexually abused, dealing with deep difficulties uh, that someone experiences. All those things have nuances. All those situations have uh, different spins and different contributing factors and so on. But how important is it to you as you think through this and lessons that you've learned, how important is it uh, that we include the key elements uh, with this type of counseling? That's such a great question. Thank you for asking it. Well, I think it's super important because our methodology really frames and helps us in the counseling process. And so I think of uh, the typical counselee who comes to me that might have sexual abuse in her background and how important it is to be able to, for example, give her uh, biblical hope would be one of our key elements, right? Mm -hmm. Inspiration, um, how she uh, needs to um, hear uh, the words of truth uh, that are found, say, in the nature and character of God, for example. That's just super important. Um, I was taught that biblical counseling is a theological discipline, right? And so that's really tied to it as well. But it helps because I'm thinking of the typical lay counselor who wouldn't see themselves as an expert. And so the key elements actually helps a lay counselor to structure their counseling. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a step one, step two, step three, but as you incorporate the key elements into your counseling, there's a lot of overlap and you're consistently using it in your counseling. 
in the key elements, we often talk about the eight eyes, and those things are absolutely important. And I agree, it's not a step one, two, three, four. Uh, when we're dealing with the wisdom of God, trying to apply it to difficult situations, it rarely is a step and stage type of thing. Uh, and you mentioned hope or, or inspiration. And when you're dealing with somebody who, who comes in and, and they describe this sexual abuse, how important is it that we uh, instill hope into them or we inspire them with the hope of Christ, especially if she's come in and maybe she's described something like uh, she's been uh, raped on a date or something like that? Yeah, yeah, another great question. Um, well, as we kind of think of sin and just sin in the world, um, for somebody like that, you know, they realize that there are people that come and go that will disappoint us, that will deeply hurt us in our lifetime. But as we uh, bring the word of God to bear on that situation, we can give her great hope um, and confidence that even though people come and go, God is who he says he is, um, that he remains constant, that he's unchanging, that he has a multitude of all kinds of mercies. Um, and that's really helpful uh, for a person, you know, not just for a counselee who has sexual abuse in her background, but really for any counselee, just to help them to know God better, um, because it gives them greater reassurance. It gives them greater hope for their hurting, um, that one day that wrong that's happened to her will be made right again. So super, super important to uh, bring biblical hope to bear in a person's situation. Yeah, I think that's critical. If you, if you think about a person who is struggling to that degree, often the way they're seeing themselves is wrapped up in that moment, that moment of difficulty, that moment of trouble, the moment of struggle. Their identity is now bound in that. And, and they're thinking, my purpose, my hope in life is bound to that moment. And so how in the world can I have or experience hope what you're describing is exactly right, that we step outside of that moment, not dismissing it, certainly, uh, but really pointing to that their identity is found in something far greater than an event that happened to them, a way in which they were misused and abused, to remind ourselves of who God is, um, our experience with him, uh, and that he is the one who cares for those who are broken, and that's critical. Uh, now, as we think about God in this situation, and we're trying to help the counselee think in this way, why would having confidence in the God who is and his promises uh, be important to a particular counselee in this situation? I think that it probably is wrapped up in the fact that there are promises that God makes in his word. <laughs> and we serve a God that is going to do what he promises. And those promises aren't yeah. void yeah. based on some experience that this person had, right? That's exactly right. I mean, just even like you were saying before, um, that's where we differ from secular counseling because they often do uh, create a victim's mindset. Um, but we know that, uh, you know, that like you were saying, that their identity is found in Christ. And so we can empathize with their suffering um, because she was victimized, but we actually um, can provide additionally just that, that hope that's rooted in God's character and again, you know, um, God's character, he's unchanging, um, he's faithful, uh, he's compassionate, uh, he has uh, just that long, steady love, that hesed love, so mm -hmm. important. And so as we boil some of this down, uh, Shelby, as we think about tons of lay counselors who are out there often uh, feeling inadequate, certainly uh, in levels of complexity dealing with counselees like this, if you, if you were 
able to have some sort of conversation with them, just very personal conversation. And you were chatting with them to describe uh, and give them encouragement uh, to engage in um, a situation like that where a counselee is afraid, they're, they're scared, they, their world has been turned upside down by this uh, intrusion into their life. What are some of the critical things that, that you might encourage them with to ground them as they engage in counseling? We have a wonderful verse um, in God's Word, Romans fifteen fourteen, and what Paul does there is he reminds us that um, we um, are full of goodness, and we are able to come alongside uh, with God's Word, and we're able to counsel one another. And so, I definitely like to encourage lay counselors in that way because I think there's this idea that uh, we have to be specialized in a particular area. So, for example, you know, I've never counseled a person who's um, experienced sexual abuse. I don't think I would know uh, what to do. Um, So I would want to encourage her and encourage him that you possess a sufficient word. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You have everything you need to come alongside her and to give her wise biblical uh, counsel, or we would even say wise, compassionate biblical counsel. Um, So I would want to encourage them that way because really at the end of the day, I think that biblical counseling is a one another ministry. And so I think that we're really losing out um, when we say that only certain kinds of people can counsel certain kinds of people. Um, And so that's how I would encourage them because the scripture does say that. And I think we just have to believe that the word of God is sufficient and that God's going to give you the grace to get through the counseling session. And then additionally, like we were talking, the, the essentials of biblical change really help to structure that. It really gives a counselor confidence in the right way uh, to minister the word of God in that moment. And none of this nullifies what we've talked about extensively on the podcast in the past uh, relative to legal requirements and all that stuff. What we're describing is that personal relationship that a lay person has with an individual who's struggling uh, with a with a scenario that's happened in their life. And so what, what I appreciate, Shelby, that you're describing here is the importance of us getting back to the basics, the importance of us not allowing the complexity of a situation to um, to disorient us in relation to the usefulness of God's word. And it's so important and critical that we not lose that. I, I, I see a tendency often with us sort of shifting our focus as if, you know, the world has something better to offer as it relates to trauma or as it relates to this situation or that situation. When in reality, I, I think we've described here that God has promises, God has Uh, hope in his word that helps to navigate even what we consider to be some of the most complex and difficult situations to provide legitimate hope, legitimate comfort, and legitimate peace for whatever it is that we find ourselves struggling with. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. And I'm so grateful that Dr. Cullen was here with us today to describe the importance of the eight eyes and the critical nature of us engaging with those who have been sexually abused and lessons that she's learned. I also want to recommend to you a couple of things that I think are are critical. The Masters University is releasing a video series that's going to be critical as we think about our observations in ACBC. And one of the things I love that they're doing here is they're revisiting the importance. They're emphasizing the ideas of the eight eyes and the key elements as we engage in counseling. And, And I love the way in which they highlight those key elements. So often we tend to 
think we grow up beyond those basic things when in reality they're critical when we engage in the counseling room. I also want to mention to you in relation to our upcoming annual conference, Dr. Cullen actually delivered a breakout session on this very topic. And I want to encourage you to go to watch that breakout session. For those of you who are registered, uh, you will have access to all the breakout sessions that we record. And um, Dr. Collins is one of those. So with that, I want to invite you to be a part of our annual conference this year. We are still a few weeks out and registration is still open. And so I want to invite you to go to our website uh, and to register. You can find that link at biblicalcounseling.com.